0: Oh my gosh, I think you're I think you're in. Wait, hold on. Oh
1: goodness. Okay, you, I think I figured it out.
0: You're in. You're in, Betty. You no, know, these spaces, I'm telling you, the, the interface, everything about it, first of all. They're they're like, do it on your phone. No big deal. We're gonna give you the tiniest menu, a whole bunch of freaking options. You know, we're gonna let you manage the entire personnel of this call, uh, record it, give you a soundboard. They're gonna give you so much on the space of your tiny ass phone. It's very frustrating.
1: Does this let you record it like other ones can be recorded? I believe so. Yeah, we'll we are we later. are rec- we are recording.
0: Yes, that was a good call because oh, okay. I almost I almost forgot. Uh, Wonderful. How are you this evening, Daddy? I,
1: I'm good. I'm in the process. I didn't realize how long this is going to take to print. I went to print something so I'd have the correct facts, and then I realized it's eleven pages, so I'm. Running up and downstairs in the
0: rain to <laughs> see if it's finished. Uh, take your time, Daddy. We do not need to get started right at this moment, in fact. So uh, get you know, get your papers in order. It's, it's all good. We can give it a few minutes. I was experimenting. Could you hear music playing uh, from my computer? Yeah. Okay. I could hear.
1: <laughs>
0: could you hear could Kayla's whisper? I jazz. <laughs> I,
1: no, all I could hear was elevated jazz playing. Perfect. Okay, we're on to page 3 of 11, so I only have two more to print.
0: Perfect. Do you want to give it just, we can give it a couple minutes, steady and uh, you can get yourself Does
1: my voice sound terrible, or is it okay? I can I hear
0: you. Can you hear me? Oops, I started the jet. Yeah, I can hear everything Awesome, fine. awesome. Yeah, listeners, if you uh, detect any sound issues, just give us uh, a thumbs up down i guess you know but yeah we'll um
1: send a plane no send a skywriter please i want a skywriter to inform me of any technical difficulties.
0: <laughs> um do you get skywriters out there on the on the sound often uh,
1: yes really did, did you see the picture oh this horrific one on one of the holiday weekends it was for like also I'll, I'll post the video it. I mean, it, it's like you're stuck in Times Square. The whole point of coming out here is it's lovely and peaceful. And this giant, disgusting skywriter wrote for some like tequila brand. It was the trashiest thing I've ever seen in my
0: life. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. I wonder. What- <laughs> I mean,
1: I thought we were under invasion. It just kept going and going. No, was
0: it? And, and made it this was giant like the
1: message in the sky.
0: Was it the little tiny like dot? Like the actual like jet fuel like contrail or whatever it is skywriting or was it like a? it was not like the banner style right
1: no no some guy with chemicals creating this massive message it's very terrible
0: that's hilarious quite hilarious uh thanks listeners for joining us here we'll get started shortly but you know we're gonna take our time because uh we've, we've got it we've got all the time in the world
1: yeah I'm ready. I have all my papers. Daddy's got me. her papers
0: together. It's very daddy to have a, a lot of papers. I feel. I don't know why. It just it strikes me as such. I, think I have like
1: twenty pages in front of me
0: at the moment. Well, we can get started here, Daddy. Thank you. I know you. Uh, maybe you're feeling slightly under the weather. It seems, but hopefully this will lift your spirits. I, I feel like. Uh, I feel like there's a good chance that, that will happen. Uh, but thanks everyone for joining us this evening. This is just kind of like, I guess, a little uh, bonus or add on to Daddy and I's conversation uh, that we published last week on Here Comes the Backlash. Uh, I see uh, my other my co host also from my other show i was there here in the crowd and i definitely want to shout him out and everybody else i see bicky here one of our callers please join us for i was there bi-weeklies on sundays next sunday we're gonna do a little like scary movie chat it's gonna be really fun 4 p.m pacific okay so yeah go tell your friends we'll be doing that promo but you know daddy i've got to do the whole housekeeping stuff up front but i really want to talk to you this evening of you've got like i know we I know you we, we kind of talked about doing Formula 1 hunk uh, discourse but I know you kind of took a uh, I think a more <laughs> no. philosophical like
1: the world is ending we need to focus
0: is it though That's...
1: even though technically they're all involved since all the teams are owned by all of the Middle East oil barons, so it's actually more relevant. To that fascinating. Thing.
0: fascinating. I mean, that does we can get there too to Formula One because I mean, yeah. in a sense, the world's always been ending since it was born, right? So it's like we can do both. We can we can walk and chew gum, as they love to say on MSNBC. Uh, but like, yeah, you said you had some you had some notes. We had discussed possibly going down a St. Francis rabbit hole, perhaps, or a little bit of a, a journey with St. Francis of Assisi. Because uh, I told you, I have. Um, have strong ties to St. Francis, uh, or at least of a yeah, and that that um, town, anyway. Um, we can talk about that, but I don't know if that's actually what you wanted to talk about either. You, uh, you said you, yeah, you kind of set this up as a, as a solemn. I think it's a solemn moment, perhaps for Deddy. I don't know. What, what, what should we know? Where is your headspace at, and what do you want to share with us well, this evening?
1: As I was thinking last night, obviously, I was wondering if we shouldn't even talk about what's going on, but. I realized last night as I was kind of doom-watching television because I woke up in the middle of the night, that, and this is to do with conflict in Israel and Gaza, but also with the, the recent, the unleashing of artificial intelligence, programming and software that has, in only a few months, I mean, remember GPT was released in November, it's now ubiquitous. It's, of course, as any computer program, it compounds in its advancements and it's accelerating so quickly. And I realized yesterday, and I I don't even know if I want to go into the specific details. everyone knows it's too horrific for words. But the controversy over some of the images that are coming out of this conflict, I realized is that every image is both AI and not AI, and we're all arguing. It's like a Schrodinger's cap. Every image is now to be litigated. And it almost feels like half of the people say, oh, well, this is AI, this is an artificially generated image. The other half of people say, oh, it's absolutely not. Then someone chimes in with an AI detector, which are incredibly unreliable programs. And when you step back from it, I realize that it's we've been entirely immersed in the matrix because of this. And our very perception of reality is now a weapon of war because we've become completely unmoored and you have to doubt every single thing that you observe because realistically it could be false. And it sounds yeah, like Schrodinger's cat. Everything is false and true at the same time. And I realize that that feels like, of course, there's been Photoshopped images. There's always been atrocity propaganda. There's always been war porn. But it feels like now it's almost the most extreme version of that you could possibly have where there's no way to detect reality itself which to me is very scary and it seems absolutely horrible just for our souls because our first reaction is now just a a litigation of every single image and thought and word that we come across. And I was wondering
0: if you hmm. had any thoughts on that. Daddy. Coming in with some Baudrillardian almost analysis, perhaps. I don't know. Um, yeah, are we? Have we all become Schrodinger's retard? Is kind of my question. Like, are we? Are we smart or are we retarded? Uh, we're, and we're kind of both, right? Because we are kind of at the whims of so much. Um, I think you're completely over a, a very important target, Daddy. Like you're you're hovering on things that uh, definitely I've been thinking about, and others. I think this like. And like ontological crisis I guess or no epistemological crisis I mix up my heavy duty uh, heavyweight academic terms you know but there is this crisis of reality right like what does it what does it mean as Miley Cyrus once asked on the great album Miley Cyrus and her dead pets what does it mean you know but uh, I think it's important it's it's important to discuss this but I think one thing I will say up front that uh, as I've kind of struggled with this mm-hmm. same crisis this week of both um kind of both this idea of like real not real right with the images and also uh Mm -hmm. the idea that there's a side to root for or not root for i mean there it's this very complicated contradictory uh written Mm -hmm. you know situation there's not really uh it's so contentious that there's not really a way to unravel it in many ways. And because of, you know, of course, the emotional ties that people have and the long history, there's a lot to, there's a lot of levers to pull. There's a lot of weaponization and there's a lot of uh, ways to get people riled up, which we definitely witnessed over the last week vis a vis this kinds of uh, propaganda, right? Um, and so, no, that's
1: a great point. You can weaponize everything,
0: everything. And so, yeah, terrified. my question is like, why why, why watch the news in the first place? Why absorb this media in the first place? And I, I do understand, obviously, the impulse. We, you want to know what's going on, right? But at a certain point, its uh, you almost have to regard all images, all news, all information with this kind of degree of suspicion. Uh, and yeah, where, where does that lead us? How do you make sense of the world uh, from that stance, you know?
1: And I think, I know I talk about this book all the time and people are sick of hearing about it, but there's a book called The Age of AI, Then, uh, lead authors Henry Kissinger and many others um, were part of this book that I think is essentially a compilation of essays, but I mean, I'll always remember, I read this book early this fall because I picked it up because I thought, you know, Kissinger knows a lot, whether you hate the man or love the man, he's obviously seen everything, he's been everywhere, he's spoken to everyone, so I always read his books. And I mean every single thing that I read about it. This was before, I read this book before the release of Chat GPT, and it talked about Chat GPT. It talked about um, image generating things. I wish I, I'm at the beach, who don't have the book on me because, especially the past few days with all of these images and this new debate. I mean, exactly in this book he wrote that we already have, and I understand he knows this software. Like it's been released to the public and in the wild, but. For years, they've known about where this is leading and its potential capabilities. Ed Kissinger himself wrote that this is a, a new frontier, and he warned in this book, like, you're about to have every aspect of reality up for debate. It's going to be incredibly easy to manipulate. And just openly saying, we're in the age of complete psychological warfare. And I I mean, I have, at this point, I have the entire book underlined and highlighted because every single element has come true, and not just about um, war and geopolitics, but these new pro- artificial intelligence programs that they're using as almost like hunter-seekers for diseases and gene editing and all sorts of terribly scary-sounding things. But I always tell people, like, you absolutely have to read this book because it. I'm so glad I read it at the time. It prepares you for everything that you encounter because, and you realize like, oh, you're not just being dramatic or magic. This was understood. Military minds, strategic thinkers all understood exactly how this could be manipulated and they know that they will be. So in a way it's almost like a useful rubric for navigating the uh, information landscape at this moment.
0: Mm-mm. Daddy, um, there, it's funny you say this. Earlier this year, there was uh, an article from Media mm-hmm. Matters, uh, uh, David Brock, right, the uh, kind of big propaganda arm for mm-hmm. DNC and, and uh uh, yeah, kind of like left-wing i guess media organizations media matters had an article basically uh and they issue these talking points ahead of different cycles right to kind of get ahead of stories and kind of tell uh different media actors you know how how to play their their parts and they had an article about like it was basically i trying, trying to find it it was like facts how to like redefine facts essentially it was like how do we uh re facts and like the facts aren't really what we like, think mm-hmm. they are and so as you're talking about uh you know Kissinger and these uh kind of technocrats and these kinds of authors writing many decades prior about like this crisis that they know that we'll be in that, uh, that is of their own making right that it's kind of like mm-hmm. it's by is by design mm-hmm. uh it is um it is fascinating the AI piece I think is really interesting because I think you are right uh it, I think it's clear that this technology has been around for a long time behind closed doors mm-hmm. and then the idea of just Kind of unleashing it to the public but then also like unleashing it kind of in these incremental phases i know they put out they could have done a lot more with, mm-hmm. especially like, i think with the like the language models like with the chat gbt it's mm-hmm. it's fairly hamstringed in a lot of ways it's interesting um but it almost to me do you want know one angle i see from it is this kind of fear of uh fear of automation and job loss becomes much more apparent to everyone right mm-hmm. especially in sectors that felt very comfortable sectors like the tech sector <laughs> who have felt very mm-hmm. very uh protected even during covid where everything's you know upside down they are still feeling very uh, much safe right because of their 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 kind of job security but Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden there's this new technology that throws everything into like a little bit of uh flummoxed and people are a little bit more frightened it to me it seems to create the conditions uh and the appetite for things like a a ubi system connected to perhaps a a digital dollar you know what i mean maybe some smart cities Mm -hmm. or limitations on movement and freedom that go along with that which is exactly the technocratic model that's been kind of outlined by uh, exactly the people that you've mentioned and real quick if you don't
1: mind if i mention, i just retweeted the uh, the tweet that had the the book in it. So if anyone wants to read this book, just go look. It's it'll be the first thing, and it has the title. It's Kissinger's Age of AI. It'll be very easy
0: to find. Did you have so many good? books.
1: I cannot recommend. But
0: I will that. I will check this one out because I know you've recommended several several of the writings actually of this age. Oh. I would say we the late '60s to '70s is a period. I I don't think it's been mined enough, to be honest, by by researchers, or I don't think the right conclusions have been uh, extrapolated. I think now they're starting to become really apparent, right? So you're like, uh, you're right on target there as well. I I think because you mentioned, I think uh, what is it, the the Brzezinski book, like uh, before, I think um, technocratic Mm -hmm. age or whatever. There's there's several. I mean, yes,
1: everyone, Brzezinski, Kissinger. I tell people just read them because whether you like it or not, there's people who are determining a lot of our world, and it's good to know. They're very candid. Very candid, yeah. Very candid, and I tell people it's best to arm yourself with information. (laughs) And um, after you finish your thought, I did find some fiercely clicking along i found some screenshots that i had tweeted of things that have all come to fruition Ooh. in the past week so when you're done i'll read those For out sure no,
0: please please please, quickly i think just before we go into this conversation i'm curious to hear what mm-hmm. you say i uh, my advice or kind of my um, way to strengthen or, or or sturdy ourselves as we kind of uh, go up against these mm-hmm. like technocratic mm-hmm. forces and these conversations they, they can't be scary uh, but i really strongly believe that uh we just need to find the foundation for our own reality. Find what reality means to you. Uh, and it, it's scary to learn these things that they're not like fun always, but you need to uh, find ways to ground yourself and whatever that means to you. Like whatever the world means to you, really find ways to define that because that is how you counter all of this. Because once you understand yourself in the world, how you really want it to be, it becomes much easier and much clearer to be able to, uh, uh, I guess, kind of oppose and go head to head with these types of forces.
1: I agree. And so much of the modern world has been about programming people to not trust mm. their gut and not trust their instincts, which you have developed over a very long amount of time, those instincts for a reason. And especially as I've gotten older and more mature and been in different environments, I've realized how much I think damage was done as a young person where I was, I felt like, oh, to be the you know, a refined, intelligent citizen of the world, I should be suppressing all of my natural instincts and all of, you know, any kind of natural aversion or something or a natural interest. And I have had to almost feel like I've reprogrammed myself to realize like, no, the creepy person with BDIs, you were absolutely right. And then it always comes out that they are some sort of creepy, weird person. And I tell everyone like, you know, Of course, you know, if you go by pure instinct, there's a bit of a de-evolution there, but that it's okay to have natural instincts and you should listen to them, process them, and you should never let people convince you like, oh, you're just completely wrong for that. I think it's really important for young people, vulnerable people, older people, everyone, you know, usually there is a kernel of truth in a, a feeling you have and the more you learn to hone into that you'll understand like what specific thing you're picking
0: up on. Mm, 100% don't outsource your powers of observation to the state or to the uh, the public private partnership don't outsource your uh, yeah your intuition so much you're totally right and I want you to share these things so I will shut up but so much of what we see Daddy, is is uh, telling people to ignore their instincts ignore nature you know and there is uh, there is a place for for nature and for your instincts it, it's important uh, and so yeah I, I just urge people to develop those those things and, and and beyond that you know really just a sense of like what matters to you uh you know that's really going to be what's going to be the most powerful shield that you can use i know it sounds kind of like vague and, and nebulous but really uh really i encourage you all to just get grounded go go walk barefoot on the beach there's my advice okay daddy what did you see <laughs> that's what i <laughs> that's so funny because
1: that's what i did i did that before um right after I messaged you I was like oh I'm feeling great i was like you know what I'm gonna go I went to the beach at like dusk and just stood and listened to the waves and looked at just the infinite blue and just felt the reset and I always have to remind myself like even if you feel terrible just 20 minutes in the fresh air looking at nature listening to the sounds can be incredibly grounding anyway all right so I found these are some excerpts and this is so funny so this was I've tried to read, I just reposted them so people could find them very easily. I'm spamming the timeline and people will hate me. But uh, this is from November 19th, 2022. Um, and this chapter I was headed, so this is from the book The Age of AI by Kissinger, if anyone's jumped in. Um, it's just a book that I highly recommend That's I've found incredibly relevant. So uh, November 2022 Network Platforms and Disinformation. National borders have long been permeable to new ideas and trends, including those fostered with a deliberately malign purpose, but never at such scale. While there is broad consensus regarding the importance of preventing intentionally distributed malign information from driving social trends and political events, ensuring this outcome has rarely proved to be a precise or entirely successful undertaking. Moving forward, however, both offense and defense, both the spread of disinformation and efforts to combat it will become increasingly automated and entrusted to AI. The language generating AIGBT3 has demonstrated the ability to create synthetic personalities to use them to produce language that is characteristic of hate speech and enter into conversations with human or users in order to instill prejudice. And that's the other element I think people need to be incredibly aware of is you, you do not know if the person you're interacting with is even a person. You could be interacting with an entirely synthetic generated personality from which is run and sponsored by an unknown state actor, by an unknown non-governmental actor, by a terrorist group, by an extremist group. You have no idea and i the other really dangerous part of that is because you have no idea you don't even it's like the combination of not knowing if an information a picture a message is real or ai but the idea that the person posting it could be a synthetic personality and it's like a total entrance into this matrix that in this Not to get too out there, but it's like a a matrix that literally drives itself on fear and hate and I think we have to be incredibly guarded about this because that's an incredibly dangerous to world security itself aspect, but it's incredibly dangerous just to the human soul itself, which is what I think is kind of why I feel that there's been this extra acceleration of this.
0: Here, here. They they are out there, Daddy, The the fake bots. It sounds like so like silly. I mean, we're we're instrumented to kind of think it sounds silly at this point, right? To be like, oh, you're a, a Russian bot, and, and not explicitly Russian, obviously. But I've definitely encountered entire bot nets of these. Actors that I do not believe are real people. I believe that they are AI, uh, especially I will say in the great, uh, like let's say twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two uh, anti vax wars that I was a part of, where it's just like trying to get truth and information out about what was going on with these uh, programs. You know, um, these automated responses almost they they don't they don't feel automated. They seem like real people, right? They're very well trained, mm-hmm. but you get to a point where you realize. There were so many of them, and they—you go to their pages. They all look kind of the same. Uh, in this, in the sense, they—they they always retweet. They reply to tons of accounts, right? But they never post anything themselves, or they have one tweet they've ever posted pinned to their page. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, I was like, oh, they're—they're they're AI. They're programmed to respond. They—they they train. They're trained to reply. They can't think of original thoughts, suppose, because that's not like what they're trained to do, right? They're there to kind of go and, and mm-hmm. counter things, and you can do it because you can trick them. I've done it before. You kind of say things, and they. <laughs> They get confused and they start to agree with you, or like it's just very weird. I I can't cite a specific example, but uh, there is definitely this um, Mm -hmm. behavior that they demonstrate that is just not uh, natural, Uh, and it's difficult because you see Mm -hmm. people. getting really worked up i mean it happened to me luckily i realized fairly quickly what was going on i think um and sometimes it was actually worth it to me to fight with them for the other people who were kind of watching you know because it's like people are following these threads and it's like no you need to see how like weak these arguments are that they're kind of pushing back with and Mm -hmm. there actually are a lot of facts that are worth discussing right there's worth investigating here and so i think the truth is the best exactly so i think you're totally right it is you can see how uh, as that plays out on larger and larger scales these narratives become uh, very, very powerful and weaponized and people's outcomes become increasingly automated, right? Because you're interacting with the AI. They are going to start to train you as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, and another thing, which is kind of before we move on from the topic of current war, that I think several things have not even been discussed that I think is very unfair to the people involved that I have not seen any mention of the Quartet, which is a group, I think officially the Quartet on the Middle East, because a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this isn't our problem, we should just detach, and well, of course, there's a lot to be said for not further inserting ourselves. I think there's some people who are under the impression that their governments aren't directly involved in this issue, but The Quartet on the Middle East is the United Nations, the United States, the European Union, and Russia. Um, This group has existed since 2002, I believe. It's over 20 years old, and they have been actively involved. They have been accused of sabotage. They have been accused of many things, but I think it's important that we... You know, it's becoming really easy for people just to sit back and just, you know, say, well, glass this group or glass that group. And it has nothing to do with us. But I do think it's important that people know, like, your government, besides all of the oil politics going on, besides all of the different allies and different weapons deals, I, the Quartet is a real group. Uh, Tony Blair and all those guys are all involved. And I think that they have done a lot in the names of the people that they allegedly represent so i do think it's important that we one talk about these players that are involved i did see someone earlier say you know um a journalist who works you know in palestine and in israel who said we need to talk about the weapons manufacturers people are making a lot of money and we need to know who they are who they're speaking to what their interests are and i always think that that's important especially as we enter this like hate spirals because they're not productive is we do need to think like what is the larger picture what what am i not what am i clearly trying to be distracted from so i just wanted to point that out for anyone who wants to look it up Quartet in on the middle east is one of the groups who is involved um, there's several major gas fields directly off of gaza there are several gas fields off of israel this is all connected to what's occurring and it's important just to know to give context like there are people with money who are involved in this there are national governments involved in this there's there are international bodies that are all involved in this so i think that might help from just this turning into such a a very just a hateful hateful arena that is becoming very quickly
0: Oh my gosh, Daddy, you know the meme of, like, I think it's Mitch McConnell or a bunch of old guys, like, laughing in the back room, like, in, like, Congress or whatever? Mm -hmm. That is the quartet. Like, right now, I feel like they, I don't, I feel like this is a situation almost of their making, although it is interesting that, you know, that Russia is in that quartet. So I do, I I question Mm -hmm. how productive even those conversations would be going. But do you, do you almost not feel it in some ways? You kind of alluded to this, like, what are we not thinking about? These tensions are real, right? I'm not trying to say that. Of course, there's real political conflict, real religious conflict. There are things that happen, of course, that uh, deeply matter to the people there. But to the Schrodinger's retard of it, all right, we're like it matters, but it does not matter to us, right? It's it's a uh, it's a real thing, but it's also not a real thing. There's there's other problems and more tangible things uh, that affect Americans, uh, many Americans, right? And so it is this kind of complicated. Uh, and i always say anytime the media is trying to focus our attention on one single thing which seems to be all they do i mean they, they talk about walk and chew gum like the media cannot fucking do that they only know how to follow like one story it seems like in the in the mainstream these days and so like when they focus our attention on this one thing it is a legitimate question yeah like what else is going on what are we being distracted from uh some someone had pointed out to me that you know a lot of this could be related to the fact there's no current speaker in the house isn't that interesting mm-hmm. uh an interesting uh, moment to be going on you know, there are other things going on i, I keep going back to the, the who treaty you know the world health organization pandemic treaty it's an important issue i urge everyone to go seek out james Raviski, uh, dr merrill nass they've been uh, james corbett all of them have been doing really good uh, coverage of this important mm-hmm. development that is underway and it's another thing it, it may not be the main reason to you know i'm not suggesting it's being stirred up to uh to cause distractions from that. But that is a topic that would be discussed in many channels right now, you know, that is not being discussed mm-hmm. because of this re- ridiculous I, and I keep comparing it it's like I'm kind of not joking it's a George Floyd style event where it's like uh, not only is it like so dominant but it becomes like this implied uh there's a weaponized politicization to the extent where you can't not talk about it it's almost becomes like well if you're not talking mm-hmm. about it there's something kind of wrong with you because you don't care right. <laughs> Silence is this is world war three but mm-hmm. and, and I'm like is it like maybe maybe not it's not clear <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think a great, because I know people want real examples. So I just, looking through my notes. So an example of the exact thing I'm just talking about that people will recognize, for example, Armenia and Azerbaijan, which was 20 seconds ago that we've all already completely moved on for it. And I saw many people very confused about the alignments saying, you know, how could this country support Armenia? How could X country support Azerbaijan? Like, this doesn't make sense. And that's a perfect example of a zoom out really helps. So Azerbaijan's, actually, Israel gets 40% of its oil imports through Azerbaijan. So Israel is actually heavily aligned with Azerbaijan, even though that's considered a Muslim country. And people said, well, why are the U.S. and Israel not supporting Armenia, this Christian group? Israel is very, very, very energy independent on Azerbaijan. And Azerbaijan is right next to Iran, who is the major foe of many other actors. Azerbaijan has major military ties to Israel and the USA, and there are bases that are meant to be, in the case of war with Iran, that they're in Azerbaijan and we're basically looking over from a hill. So I think that's a good real-world example that people can see, like, It's true. There are many layers to these conflicts. You're not a bad person if you're asking questions or wondering. And it's true that oil politics, as I'm very insistent on, plays a part of future security game theory for future conflicts. Plays, you know, it's very complicated. So I just wanted to offer that as an example. And if anyone wants to look up Armenia, Azerbaijan, Israel, USA, this is also you can look all of this up. But um. The pipeline politics do really come into play. I mean, the kernel of everything, everything we consider civilization is downstream of petrochemicals. So I always tell people that that's a good starting point to look at if they're confused or feel that they're in a a, a morass of political ideology.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like there's... um there's an angst, right, that could be produced uh, in just living in society because it doesn't make sense. It's irrational, and the things that happen, uh, mm-hmm. they, they're they real, but they are they are irrational because they're detached from the real source of, I guess, the, the truth. Um, there are layers to what goes on, to your point, with petrochemical corporations. Uh, they're transnational, right? So their interests uh, supersede nation-state mm-hmm. boundaries. A lot of people get tripped up by that because I think it's easy to say – China like this versus us versus Israel sure those are real things that they do happen on a certain uh, to a certain degree on a certain level but there's shareholders there's investors there are boards there are networks that kind of uh, supersede that and once you kind of start to um, establish that framework of a, almost a binary of who's privy to these networks who is able to move their money across different court countries and uh, who's whose you know portfolios are not necessarily impacted by something happening like this but are actually benefited by things like uh you know conflict in the middle east versus the rest of the world then you can kind of start to understand i think a, a little bit easier how um how uh, yeah it, and, and then you couple that with what you described you know the ai the, the media narratives the easy the ease of which you can drum up support these days and, and public opinion through this mass information kind of network it, it doesn't become that far-fetched honestly to think that things like the middle east could be spun up to a degree to distract or, or the outcome, or are otherwise in the outcomes of, you know, these other unseen activities that we actually can't quite see or make sense of. And just because of that, because of that disconnect, it can be very uh, difficult to live in the world today. Um, so I think it's important just to kind of like call out and speak to it because it's, uh, it's, it can be scary. And it's like, you know, it's okay to also just unplug. It's okay to not like care. <laughs> it really is. I, I promise you.
1: Oh, and then... I don't know. This might this is too out there. If we speak about maybe some of the religious symbols that are present in the Let's complex.
0: do it. Sounds sounds sound, sound um, soft and uncontroversial. Exactly. So I think I like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think too is you know, we're in secular, liberal, linear time. But I think people need to understand there are many deeply faithful people across the world who have a very different framework for understanding things. Uh, and, of course, Jerusalem, which the big thing with the land in Israel as people say. I mean, also, and I want to point this out too, Israel is a very small country. Israel and Palestine, you know, that's about the size of New Jersey. Gaza, it's the size of just the borough of Manhattan. It's an incredibly small area of the Gaza Strip. It is one of the most densely populated places in the world. And I always hear people say, well, why don't we just offer Group A or Group B, you know, a chunk of land in Texas that would alone be, you know, a 100 times the size of where they are. But Jerusalem and the old city of Jerusalem in the walls is a very holy and spiritual place for people of many religions. And this is part of why this conflict swirls around this very, very tiny geographic area. Um... For people of the Jewish faith, this is a story that for them, they believe is the beginning of time and the end of time, because they believe we are approaching many, not saying all, there are plenty of people who identify as Jewish, but completely secular. There are some who view themselves as very, very moderate. I'm not saying that this is blanket, but in Judaism, there's the first temple, Solomon's Temple, which was destroyed. And you have the second temple pyramid, which was destroyed, and they're waiting for the building of the third temple, which is in their eschatology that that's coming to the end times of the world. And since World War Two and the founding of the state of Israel, it is in biblical Jewish text. It's a belief that when The various tribes of Israel, the Israelites return to the Holy Land and the third temple is built that will begin the end times. The third temple is believed to need to be built on the Al-Aqsa compound mount, which is also considered a very holy and special place in Islam, but The third temple is believed to be where God's divine presence is on earth. So it is something that cannot be moved to Texas. It is not something that can be replicated anywhere else. It is believed that essentially on Al-Aqsa compound was Solomon, the biblical Solomon. His temple existed. It was then destroyed in the 6th century BC. Um, And this sounds very silly, but it's actually real. So if anyone is a fan of the Matrix, these names, you will realize you'll never watch these movies the same way. After Solomon and the First Temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in 587, which was the Neo-Babylonian Empire, there was again, once again, Jews were scattered. And then Cyrus, who is known as Cyrus the Great, is the return is this whole idea of the return to Zion. And the temple was then rebuilt, and that is the second temple. It was also, sometimes it's referred to as Herod's temple, because Herod did some updates on it. And then in 70 CE, the Romans, Titus, once again destroyed the temple. The third temple has not been built yet. It has been now almost 2,000 years. And there is a belief that when the third temple is built and God's presence is once again on earth, and the rabbis can perform the necessary sacrifices that they have been unable to perform for thousands of years because it must be in the temple, that we're going to enter the period of the end times. And in Christian faith, there are many Christians who also have a belief that the end times will occur around Jerusalem and in the old city Jerusalem, of course, and around the same area, which is the Temple Mount, Al Aqsa, Wailing Wall. This is all within an incredibly tiny area. I mean, you can walk around the walled old city of Jerusalem, like in you can go through the whole entire city in one day. It's not a large area, but it is an area where all of these different groups converge. There's an incredibly ancient group of Armenians who have a quarter of the city. There are Muslims who consider this an ancient homeland. There are Jews who consider it an ancient homeland. There are Christians who do. So it's an incredibly complicated system because you have this clash of secular liberal politics. You have deeply held faiths and beliefs, and you have, it's true... There are conflicts that have occurred for all of human history in this area and and will essentially continue. Um, for Christians, in the book of Revelation they speak that you will have the the new Jerusalem. So part of what has been happening, which this I understand this sounds like a lot, but there are there has been a group of evangelical Christian agriculturists from the United States who have been attempting to help Jewish groups essentially bring about the apocalypse by helping them to engineer animals that are believed to be required for the return and blessing of the Third Temple. Um, In many books it is discussed that an unblemished red heifer will be needed. And there have been groups in the U.S. who have been helping to breed this specific animal required. And there are Jewish groups who spent their time working towards the procurement of these heifers who have already been moved to Jerusalem. And there are several uh, candidates who are believed to be the unblemished red heifer that is required. And... Other elements of this include water from the Pool of Siloam, which has recently been excavated and being renovated. So I know this is starting to get quite out there, but you know, this is very real to many people. And I think it's uh, important because this is a very, very complicated issue. And this, there have been battles over this very tiny area of the earth for thousands and thousands of years. So, I think I'll end there before it gets too far out. But I just wanted to give some context that this is a very serious thing for many people of different faiths and beliefs. Mm.
0: Deddy said they're trying to amenitize the eschaton <laughs> and they are, they are, they are it's not inaccurate. That was really incredible. Deddy, um, as you were speaking, it brought to mind uh, an essay I wrote, or read, wrote, <laughs> I read a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, in apocalypse culture, a great book from Feral house way back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't think there's a PDF. I'll try to, Find something to, some way to share some of this. The Christian Right, Zionism, and the Coming of the Pentaholocaust by Gregory Coupe. um It kind of outlines the rise oh of the '80s fundamentalists, uh, the, you know, the, the new, the new Christian Right, mm-hmm. you know, the new fundamental evangelical right, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is very different than uh, in Protestant forms in, in this country prior to that. Really, you know, there's a big shift in Christianity, not just with, I think. Um, Vatican II, which people focus on a lot you know for, for conspiratorial reasons but there's a shift from everything from the like kind of the hippie tippy jesus movements uh kind of to the evangelical movements there's a big change in christianity in this country in the uh, second half of the 20th century that all kind of seems to like those other ones seem to fade away and what really emerges as the strongest uh in the you know outside of the catholic Church is this uh fundamentalist uh, religion that really exactly deep down believes that what you just outlined, uh, they have an eschatological view of the uh, the, the moment. They, you know, there's this idea of dispensation kind of theory or this idea that there are different kinds of ages uh, of, the, of the planet and that we're approaching you know, kind of this new dispensation, which is what's predicted in the, the book of Revelations. And, and yeah, the, this delusion, you might say, or psychopathic obsession with uh, bringing about the end of the world, uh, not even in a demonic sense. I think these uh, many of these people truly think it's like uh, their their responsibility, like to do this. It's like a good thing because it's you know bringing forth the Messiah. If it's uh, you know coming from a, a Jewish perspective or the the return of Christ from a Christian perspective, uh, there are eschatological or like uh, or apocalyptic uh, Muslim cults as well. I think uh, what's helpful mm-hmm. to me, I think also as I mentioned before that we think about nation states kind of uh sometimes in uh too we put too much emphasis on them maybe but there's these other networks that supersede that even amongst i think like Abrahamic faiths i i think another way you can perceive them is not necessarily divided up by christian versus jew versus muslim but like who subscribes to kind of this end times uh prophecy uh kind of belief that that this is this is the moment or that they have a role in that uh to bring about that moment and who doesn't and and then the conflicts within that group you know versus the the rest of it is maybe another way you can start to unravel this because it is it's very complicated and you're right the middle east it's there's a shared uh culture it it gets very complicated because it transcends these religious differences transcend ethnic boundaries you know and so you have uh you have you have have jewish muslims or you know like ethnically jewish muslims so it it gets very complicated Um, and I also just want to mention you mentioned many areas of Jerusalem let's not forget the great pool of Bethesda uh, the, the original the original mm-hmm. pool house one could say or the biblical pool house or the angel of Bethesda would touch down. <laughs> oh, no. so like like there's many many great uh, sacred spots I would say in the in the region um and yeah it just I don't know. It, it, you're right. It, it's completely crazy, but you could start to see this through line <laughs> from like Reagan, uh, even before Reagan, really Kissinger. I think you're right with this kind of like rising a. Uh, deep state current that is transcends political boundaries here in the US, even though it doesn't seem to at first, between left and right, with the rise of well, Jimmy Carter first with kind of bringing in these technocratic uh, blueprints and kind of incorporating those into the framework of, of the federal government, and then the rise of these like very powerful uh, fundamentalist Christians who had a very deep influence on, on Reagan. And you start to see Middle East politics since the 80s in a very far way, I guess, if you if you start to think of it from that framework.
1: And I think what, too, which I've noticed has kind of been very evident to a lot of people over the past few days is a lot of these speakers who people kind of viewed as extreme far-right or fascist or really out there guys, all of a sudden, they're all very quickly on a certain message. And I think it's also, like, maybe making some people realize, like, you really need to be aware of who is telling you messages, like, why maybe they want to hurt you a certain way and... It's important to notice when everyone snaps into place on a beat that there's something <sighs> deeper going on besides individual wackadoos with microphones. Like, very clearly, it's not that simple.
0: Let's talk about that as next Daddy, because that's maybe a little more tangible or closer to people, what people could observe. And, and as a wackadoodle with a microphone, it speaks to me a little bit. <laughs> I think, yes, like, course, like, you know, like, um, isn't it been interesting, though, really, like... <sighs> There's been many realignments, I feel like, politically in the last uh, few years, and I think we really saw that with COVID, clearly, right? But then this new uh, wrinkle, this new like rollout was really, uh, it was vindicating for me, to be honest, because I've been saying for a while that what I call the counter-narrative, that a lot of the people who uh, got things right, you know, quote-unquote, on various issues, but are kind of counter to the mainstream, that some of those actors, yeah, are good, you should listen, but there's always there's something to it right it's still instrumentalized it's still counterintelligence you have to be kind of careful uh, and that one day they'll all show their colors it always happens it always happens and so here we have many people who were very pro free speech like uh, celebrating you know censorship of a protest or whatever you you have a lot of new realignments and it, it's to me what's frustrating is that uh yeah it does it has an impact on any kind of uh and solidarity is not the right word, but like common common values or common ground that's been established in the last, you know, kind of uh, two years across various factions and channels. I think that's been really a positive development. I think that's been really pain in the ass honestly for <laughs> the establishment that there have been kind of that like that the like the meme of like <laughs> the meme of like the black guy and the like the trucker guy or whatever like shaking shaking hands and doing a fist bump is like manifesting that's a problem they, they hate that they want you to believe it's a horseshoe theory right and not a complete circle that that's the that's the big trick and so as those two poles start to come closer together things are increasingly like needed to like exactly like this and it's been really Eye-opening, even for even someone who was like saying this kind of thing would happen. It's been really surprising how mask off it's gone. It feels mm-hmm. desperate to me. Like the moment feels so desperate. Like I, I don't know what happens next, but this in that way feels very different from what's happened before because they just okay. went mask off and it was everyone. They didn't really hold back any of the assets, you know, for the for the next round.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wrote um on my notes flipping through. I'm sorry if people can hear paper wrestling. I wrote uh real. In real time, we're seeing the construction of Overton windows. So you're seeing quickly, like how these groups quickly assemble, even if it appears to be uh, isolated, spontaneous incidents. You can very clearly see how an Overton window is can be made and uh, effectively enforced really, really quickly.
0: It has been interesting, um, Denny. I had some. Of those, what um, what are, what other thoughts you have? So I think we we kind of covered in the deep depth into I guess kind of the apocalyptic angle oh. um, I don't know yeah. like, <laughs>
1: I have another I'm angle curious too. yeah what I, else oh, yeah. I have for to.
0: sure what else is like uh yeah do you have any thoughts I guess on this eschatological piece I guess to before you before you pivot there Yeah. well yeah this kind of is the dovetail so
1: there's that element but this, which arguably could be in that rubric, I was speaking with a friend who's Muslim and has kind of been shocked by what's happened over the past week and the things she's heard people say, and we were just discussing about, uh, of course, like how surreal things feel. Um, this idea that the liberal secular world order was always a mirage, which I've been telling her for a while. I think she's really seeing. But um, I'm not, well, I'll do a quick update if people aren't familiar with the five eyes which is one of the most powerful forces in the world it's a security alliance of the anglo countries it is the united kingdom the united states canada australia and new zealand um some people claim it's the final permutation of the british empire it is a security alliance where they share vast amounts of intelligence and also a military alliance De facto, and they very frequently have different economic alliances. Um, a real-world example I can give to put this into context: so, when there was I feel, oh, it might have been two years ago now, when there was the surprise cancellation of the nuclear submarine construction deal between Australia and France, and it created a whole diplomatic row. And then they announced that they would be working with the U.S. and U.K. instead that's essentially a perfect example of the five eyes at work. Um, It is pointedly excludes France and Germany, of course, other countries in Europe, Russia, but it's this kind of global spy network that really does kind of run many things. And I was realizing that If you kind of really zoom out over the past few years, the three main threats to the Five Eyes are Russia, China, and Iran. And the Five Eyes is almost in its own very bizarre way. It's kind of an extreme ethno-nationalist entity. Um, It it believes the English-speaking countries are the... uh, most uh, sacred cows in the world, they always try to sacrifice other troops before their own. And I, I know this sounds kind of extreme, but I was wondering, like zoom out a few years, if their three main threats are Russia, China, and Iran, is this some kind of massive long term play where they have proxies take out their threats on their behalf, or at least throw as much of their troops first before we have to sacrifice any Anglo troops so with ukraine and russia proxy war which they don't even try to hide is a proxy war and now this kind of slow and very scary build-up of the conflict in israel it kind of feels like i'm wondering is now it's israel and the other countries in the middle east first iran and then are we going to also throw in Taiwan and others against China? And again, no, it sounds really out there, but also logically, it's not illogical. So that was kind of my slightly, I don't know, that might even sound more absurd than thinking it. And then it, I <laughs> time, but I just wanted to say it. That was my uh, wingnut. Is
0: thing. it, it are, are they trying to, Bomb, 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 bomb! Iran, as John McCain once uh, famously saying on the floor of the Senate, it was absurd that that happened. Um, no, I don't think it's crazy, Daddy. I think uh, I, I don't think it's crazy to think it can be both. Do you Do you know what I mean? I think increasingly, yeah. increasingly, the things that take place there there are so many connections and there are so many networks. It, for me, the reason this makes sense is maybe because a little bit. Uh, a, my kind of beliefs and suspicions about kinds of the things that these people believe uh, in terms of like um, correspondences and and Kabbalistic thinking, let's say. I think that the their orientation towards those types of like uh, maybe occult practices um, means that by definition these things will kind of become more and more uh, interconnected the network the spider you know sort of in a sense or the matrix kind of gets more and more uh, bonded or coalesces around these different activities that doesn't really make I guess maybe a lot of sense but I mean I mean to say that there could be many things happening at once that even on the surface may seem uh, counterintuitive or contradictory but actually do make sense when you have like a sort of key to understand the true intent of the operation. Um, I think the piece about Iran it's come up a few times I've seen it actually I think kind of on maybe some uh, con leftist uh, sh- uh, shout out to the con left they, they hate me unfortunately daddy but but I still I still admire them to a degree and I've seen some of this thinking shared there I think it's astute around uh, I think it was Wesley Clark who had once said this you know about the, or had leaked the story about uh, this intent to basically like uh, dominate the, the Middle East go after I think seven countries uh, in the war on terror clearly something went terribly terribly wrong with that plan uh, or at least seems to have because they have not been able to get uh, Syria for sure, uh, they have not been able to get Iran, um, so you're right, I don't think it would be crazy, I think bringing up Five Eyes, you know, it's funny when you said that they, you compared them to almost like a state in a sense because they all like subscribe to this, <laughs> this vision of uh, English speaking nations, well there, there may be something kind of occult minded to that perhaps they have some sort of vision of you know, the West as uh, the inheritors of the new age or whatever, who knows, right? <laughs>
1: absolutely and i actually did um i pulled up the winston churchill speech that touches Ooh. on this because this is straight from churchill Could please I oh please bring on old winston in that? here cheerio because i want to i always try to you know give context um so if anyone's jumping in this is about five eyes and it's not just um like a freight like that's the real name of a real organization this isn't a conspiracy that it exists um it was forged in World War II between the code breakers, so the British and American code breakers who had incredibly secret talks. Um, I think many people are familiar with the 1941 Atlantic Charter, which was also one of the, the founding principles of Five-Eye. And then in, I believe it was 46, Winston Churchill gave this speech, which you know it doesn't even try to hide this idea of an ethnostate. He said, Neither the sure prevention of war nor the continuous rise of world organization will be gained without what I have called the fraternal association of the English-speaking peoples. This means a special relationship between the British Commonwealth and Empire and the United States. The continuance of the intimate relationship between our military advisors, leading to the common study of potential dangers.
0: Hmm. I noticed. Yeah, the, the fraternal. Okay, all of it, Daddy. All of it. it yeah, fraternal association. Let's just say. Wait, wait. Let you would just say. It, and I'm just gonna say it. You know, this whole obsession with the Middle East. This, uh, this fascination with the. the dome at the top of the pyramid you know of this temple these are all concepts uh it's not lost on me that are very important to uh freemasonry hebrew kabbalah many very Hermetic uh practices not to cast any kind of uh, maybe aspersions on the entire uh field or anybody who uh, is subscribes to those things but I think that it is uh, again not lost on I me mean, that this uh, is very much intim- intimately connected to a specific type of worldview uh, an apocalyptic worldview mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I personally if you want to hear a real schizo version Betty I'll trace it back to John I'll take, take <laughs> it back to John D I really think a lot of this goes back to this like vision oh, of empire no, you know uh... that he subscribed to me, yeah, the Indochian kind of uh I angels,
1: convinced those angels were I, demon, <laughs> and they told him to <laughs> forge the British Empire. I mean, it's
0: it sounds daffy, but that's what he said happened, so I mean,
1: <laughs> it sounds crazy until you're in the British Museum and they have all of his wizard's calendars. <laughs> Speaking of Palantirs, like we literally openly name our all seeing technocratic eyes Palantir now, so I don't know, maybe we're the sane ones.
0: Even five eyes, like the name has a very creepy mm-hmm. uh, connotation to it. I'm yeah. trying to find I mean, first of all, people should know five eyes Did COVID. Like, I'll just tell you, they did the pandemic. Like, you could trace it. I could, I, you, we won't get into it here, but you could trace it financially back to a military consortium. It's a private, it's a private partner, public, you know, partnership or whatever between the military and the kind of the state and kind of the, what we would call, I guess, military industrial complex. But the contracts exist. You can, you can follow it. But I'm telling you, you can follow it. So, like, these are the types of people.
1: For for maybe for something people can look up, which is actually just, (laughs) completely stopped so we don't lose anyone uh so echelon's surveillance system was a five-eye project so if anyone is curious about what we're speaking about or needs a, a, to dip a toe in just look up echelon which was kept secret for decades in a huge scandal in the 90s when it was revealed but this is and this is related to what edward snowden you know revealed that all of the five-eye alliance, It's intelligence sharing, which is how open liberal democratic countries can completely spy on their citizens because what you do is you call your friend and ask, we can't look up the information on this citizen of ours, but you could share it with us from your intelligence. So it's a way of circumventing all of these alleged rights that we have, which is why we have to wage wars on behalf of our elected democratic countries
0: you thank you that if taking it a little more tangible i i will say you can look up uh Emergent Biosolutions. I just look into what that company does. It's also known as Lytton Bionetics. Fascinating company with lots of great contracts. Uh, you're right. should like, know, take get tangible to Trusted News Initiative, you know, uh, sort of connected to some of the stuff you've been uh, kind of excited about with Nudge Theory. The Trusted News Initiative is a real, uh, you know, again, like a public-private partnership in, in the UK, kind of managing, though, essentially the entire the entire pandemic narrative i would say in terms of like the media that like Mm -hmm. reuters uh when you're talking like things especially out of the uk but you're right to bring up the point about uh, kind of jurisdiction and how they leverage the five eyes to kind of Mm -hmm. work around international Mm -hmm. law or or domestic laws in order to yeah to to basically spy on people or propagandize or censor uh and so i think that that is not crazy and that's why going back to those ai bots i would sometimes be fighting with they Mm -hmm. sometimes seem kind of like canadian a or like a little British, you know, or maybe kind of weird, so they were probably Australian, you know, like that kind of a thing, so I was like, not, that was not lost on me either, that it seemed to be an operation uh, targeting Americans from outside, you know, but speaking uh, from English-speaking countries, uh, I don't know, that maybe it's just my own speculation there, but it doesn't seem that No, of, out you're much.
1: absolutely you're absolutely correct, and if anyone wants to go look, my pinned tweet is actually exactly the Nudge units you're discussing, it's the British project that creates controlled spontaneity which is a real documented tactic across the five eyes exactly as bullhouse said it's all about nudge units and shaping behavior on a population level um they openly say so for example for people who i've noticed people asking questions like We've had many terror attacks in Europe, horrific, huge terror attacks over the past 10 years that killed hundreds of people. And it, at the time, it felt like you were told, oh, well, you can't say this about it, or you should direct your anger here. And um, the article that I, I provided, essentially, a summary in the thread, but I encourage everyone to read the whole article. But it, it, it talks about how this is a real documented program. Uh, Quote, hashtags are tested before attacks happen, Instagram images selected, and impromptu street posters are printed, and operations that contingency planners term controlled spontaneity, politician statements, vigils, and interfaith events are all already planned out, which I think is a very... It's a disturbing article and idea, but it's good because it helps you get a firmer grasp on reality to realize, oh, like, it's true. All those people just showing up with what look like pre-pinted posters or the fact that people immediately hop on a microphone to say, like, please don't be upset here, be upset here. You're not imagining that that's a controlled operation. And these operations were all formed out of Cold War psychological testing and programming where they realized, like, oh, you can completely, what they call, this is also what is occurring right now. When you hear the term pre-bugging, that is a military psychological warfare program that was developed to, quote, inoculate soldiers from brainwashing or to inoculate populations from, quote, unquote, bad thoughts. So... It sounds like out there, but these are real things and it's all, you can look this up and I think it's important to, as I said, arm yourself with information because then you're able to more freely make up Find an opinion on something if you understand like the deeper layers of what's happening underneath
0: it mm-hmm. um philip katik you know talking about pre-crime uh, he kind mm-hmm. of had warned of this george orwell another you know great example of uh, exactly what you're describing this this pre-bunking or, or thought crime or the idea of training people to essentially eventually you know uh Delete these slots themselves, or not have them. You know, um, I want mm-hmm. to say okay. I did say that the government or that Five Eyes did COVID. I want to direct people to the MCDC. It's called the Medical CBRN Defense Consortium. There, uh, they manage funds for Five Eyes militaries. The CBRN in MCDC, because there's an acronym inside the acronym, stands for I think it's uh, chemical, biological, radioactive, nuclear defense. So they, uh, you know, they're uh, I you know, guess their idea. They're they're protecting the West for or these five countries anyway in the West from these various threats, including like bio warfare. Um, things they're funding currently the Alfred the Albert Sabine Institute, uh, who gave us the polio vaccine, got eight point five million dollars to do some vaccines for Ebola in twenty nineteen. They got renewed. My favorite though on the the website is the um development of a diazepam auto injector for bi- emergent biosolutions which are, like, who oh cool would goodness. that my like, valium stun gun be used for i can't imagine is it for mm-hmm. the people who won't take their <laughs> ebola vaccine prototype from the oh, no. institute like it's like uh, it is real so just i mean these things are not i don't mean to scare you i actually think it's kind of fun to laugh at them because you you kind of have to but these are a uh, tangible real world things that like daddy and i uh are just Bribing. they're not completely like uh the ratings of just some madman i know how easy that would be to say especially when it's me saying them That that could be the case but uh it's mcdc medical CDRN defense consortium i encourage people to look into the, the things that they're funding okay.
1: i wonder should we like Anyone, should we see if anyone I was, wants to yeah, For sure, that yeah. I was gonna, I would thought. love that. If
0: anyone's interested in speaking, we'd love to to open that up for sure. Just, uh, I don't really know how you do it.
1: Direct it all to, pool, yeah, to just like me. I think you raised your oh, hand. Sure. Tap a
0: little, the little <laughs> button there.
1: I did have some people just DM me a message where I tried to answer people who had questions. so Also, if anyone has questions about any books or articles, you can DM
0: me and I'll give you the links. For sure. I have a question for you. Do you think... What do you, what's your thought yeah. right now? What's your gut tell you about this Middle East flare-up? Is this it? Are they going to go do crazy things up on that rock? Or is this just uh, more of this unfortunate uh, turmoil of contention that we've seen for many, many decades in a like kind of new spasm? What does your gut tell you?
1: I, I mean, My gut is just terrified and scared for the entire world. It
0: feels
1: very real especially after what happened with Azerbaijan Armenia because that was related to this so it feels like this isn't just localized events it feels like these are events that are connected which is what concerns me and um, I mean this has been kind of openly talked about that it feels like they were probably trying to sabotage any finalization of the Abraham Accords with Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia, like, joining would be the big, the huge, impossible turning wave since they are the guardians of, you know, Mecca and Medina. So it feels bigger than before because of that reason that Hezbollah, Iran, and and also yeah, it's important too, if... I think we fall into this thing where, you know, people think, oh, you know, if Israel and the Palestinians had peace and a two-state solution, then there should be peace in the Middle East forever. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't think that because there's still all of these groups, you know, like, it, it's not that simple. And Sunni and Shia have major problems with each other for a long time. I, I don't think there's some magic bullet that just because Israel and Palestine, I mean, you still have Sunni, Shia, you have all these other countries who are involved in the Middle East who are backing certain players and pushing things. You have oil politics. And for the same reason that I don't think, just because we move, we could move off petrochemicals entirely and there would still be conflicts. People would fight over the new energy source. There's going to be lithium wars. I think we're starting to see the beginning of lithium wars and these conflicts in south america people will fight over water I mean, you can live without energy you can't live without water water is a few days you can live without food for weeks months if you're you can't live without water so i i don't think that there's any magic solution so i caution i personally like to caution myself and others against that idea like oh if we just solve this one thing then everything will be peaceful also because i found that, that idea in itself of, well, if we solve this one thing, there will be peace. And its way often leads to very genocidal thinking because people say, well, if this one thing is solved and you have peace at, all across the land, then you can justify large losses in the name of that hypothetical peace. So that's why I personally try to be very wary of that line of thinking.
0: That's, that is fair. I think there's always like a magic solution, but I, I'm a delusional like psycho, so maybe that's uh, unfair. But I will say I think a solution that if people are, are, are scared, one thing you can like truly do is just um, you can stop stop worrying about the world, maybe and stop worrying about changing the world and focus on, you know your world. how can you make your immediate life better? What can you do like right now? Like worry about right now, people. Like, I think a lot of people uh, do get scared because this does feel. Uh, momentous. The media definitely does not help, right? They're, they com- anything happens, it rains, and they suddenly want it to be the end of the world. So if there was something in the Middle East, they're going to make it as crazy as possible, Sony, right? And play into all the games. Uh, but you know, it just it, it's okay to like it, it's okay just to focus on right now because like whatever. It, Take care of the you of tomorrow. It's a you of tomorrow problem, people, like the apocalypse. When it happens, you of tomorrow is going to have to deal with that. Focus on you right now, and then you'll be better suited for the, uh, whenever that moment comes. Because we, as it is written, do not know the hour, right, or the time of such a thing. So it could be tonight. It could be in 3,000 years. So, like, why worry about it that's my advice take care of right now i mean another thing i will say so i do believe these people are delusional psychopaths (laughs) that are running the world and that they do have a huge stake in this middle east uh, real estate and the the artifacts and the uh position and who knows what else is within right they're very obsessed with bringing about this uh this end times perhaps but i think that they're i think they're desperate daddy they seem everything just feels so fake and gay still like even though this is serious obviously and people are dying it just feels it feels like a desperate attempt again and so it, it makes me question if uh things are really going so well for our our elites and you know a lot of these things like agenda 2030 was originally agenda 2021 they had to push that one back like the pandemic didn't seem like it really went this way it was supposed to i i, I don't know i just maybe i'm a little bit pollyanna ish here, but i think uh we just need to keep being ourselves having a little bit of our like uh rambunctious spirit as Americans and, and spiritual Americans for those tuning in. <laughs> you know, just kind of keep it, keep it like, loose and lively, and just keep your wits about you. Uh, and just don't, literally, to quote a uh, public enemy, don't believe the hype. Uh, develop your, like, your discernment. And you, and you can do that sometimes best by, like, not tuning in. I'm, I'm serious. Just ignoring it will help you develop your, your abilities. Yeah, I mean, I don't
1: know. I think too, what's Nothing feels real because we're still in this super, we're in a hyper economic bubble. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a recession since the Great Recession and we've been long overdue for one. And i actually, most people stopped arguing with me about this because they realized, but we have central banks around the world printed tens of trillions of dollars and they're just pushing off. Recession that was supposed to come years ago, and it's just the longer it gets pushed off, the worse it will be. Which is why I'm thinking that they seem to be as quantitative easing was the hail mary pass for the Great Recession. I'm guessing the that that's why they're so insistent on this kind of centralized digital centralized digital central bank currency for the whole world or on individual level because. There will be a blow up of the financial system like that. And the reason that I so confidently say it is I tell people now and I noticed people stopped getting mad at me. The bank term funding program. I mean, that was the meltdown. The banks were failing and the whole thing was going to go. So that's why D.C., which can never accomplish anything. I mean, in 48 hours, they established the bank term funding program. So that's when I know I, I realize, like, yes, this is absolutely very real and very serious. Because that meant that all of the quantitative easing hadn't worked, all of the extreme manipulations to the M1 and M2 systems hadn't worked, the massive expansion of the overnight reverse repo system hadn't worked, and the banks still started failing. So that was, I mean, they almost, they changed most of the most fundamental rules of the economy in the U.S., and not just U.S. Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, but the ECB, the European Central Bank, Bank of Japan, Bank of England. Also all printed tens of trillions of dollars in response to COVID. So we're on a massive bubble, like a supernova bubble that I, each day I'm just continually shocked that just everyone plods along just thinking it'll be fine. Maybe I didn't get the memo about what the solution is, but I think the bank term funding program implementation last spring was when I realized, like, oh, yes, it's absolutely real. Because all of that couldn't stop the banks from failing. So I don't even want to know what's going to happen when that breaks down and we get another lava flow bursting out of
0: containment it will be well I, I will say i will say this that I, I remember your uh, the freak out you've caused with uh, your kind of economic forecasts we will say uh, back in the day, and then you're right, I think that that pushback, um, well no, the mainstream media type people will say, will say it's technically not inflation or like whatever, but the, the quality of easing has clearly created some sort of weird fantasy land bubble we kind of talked about this before, where just things don't quite add up, I, I think that uh, a lot of the things mm-hmm. with the labor shortage issues that we seem to have where mm-hmm. things just don't quite mm-hmm. work right uh, are actually the results, the downstream results of kind of this funny money that has been kind of pumped out everywhere. There, again, there was the greatest wealth transfer in history. That is what took place during COVID nineteen. First and foremost, I think it's important to to frame it that way. And I think uh, the results of that are still being. Uh, they're still spinning out, and even there were people even in the con left at the time at the beginning of COVID who were exactly saying exactly that. I think we all know who have complained about them many times before, but they were completely giving forecasts that was like you can't just print all this money and it, not have it come back to bite you. They got quiet on that, as did many others. But Daddy, you were very committed to this because it was true, and I think um, in terms of what happens, I don't know, but I think the. It's not going to be probably great, but I think what cannot happen, what cannot happen, is two thousand nine or or nineteen, whatever. All the other times it has happened, where it's like we just go back and we uh, continue to play a part of a federal reserve system and this kind of fake credit lending scheme. Uh, you know what I mean? I, we can't go back to that. I think it has to be a new solution a new a new structure. And I always tell people
1: quantitative easing. If you just want to know where it's going to go, just look at Japan. And we we almost have now dovetailed with Japan's debt-to-GDP ratio. And I've been saying for years, all roads lead to Japan. That's where quantitative easing was begun. It was literally invented by an insane German economist because we wanted to save Japan because we used Japan to hedge in China. And I said for years, I said, all roads lead to Japan. We will have a 200% that to GDP ratio and now we basically do so but that's what happens and Japan just hangs on by a thread and they're constantly having to adjust their their containment system but I don't know it's also just depressing <laughs> like you feel like you say these things into the void and everyone calls you crazy then they give up and just say well whatever it'll be fine anyway and then
0: chaos happens so it's true what can can you do do? well we can hold fun spaces i think people and honestly it is true that has been uh it was well first of all i think some of that is an illusion i think there's a a effort to demoralize even us uh through things like this fucking platform we're on right now which manipulates everybody and gaslights us all through metrics and manipulation Mm -hmm. to make you feel like you are sometimes talking to people but then often you're being pulled back into a void, right? That is the whole trick of this website. Mm-hmm. You gotta just post through it. That's my advice to anyone suffering through uh shadow banning. It does suck. It's real, you're not it's not in your head, you're not unpopular. I'm telling myself this, Daddy, you're not unpopular. it is this kind of man, <laughs> but for real, you know, there is a lot of games, there's a lot of trickery going on here, but I think uh, your influence, first of all, is, uh, has, well, first of all, you influenced me, Daddy, so hey, whatever, I, that's one person, uh, I, I'm. you can't, you can't take that away, right, but also I think influence is very subtle and it's hard to gauge. it really is a difficult uh, thing to even discern. Um, but you know it's it's mimetic contagion i go back to that the littlest things can have the craziest outcomes and so i think that we have Mm -hmm. to keep up at it you kind of have to have it's an act it's a work of faith right it's an act of faith to just continue to post through it to pod through it to live space through it because uh you have to have the faith that it's, it's going to work and that we and by we i mean just not like not not assholes like just not like the worst people ever are going to win like we don't have to have this uh, system that we're in we really don't uh the world is easier to change probably than we think and we don't have to change the world again we just need to change like our own worlds and so uh i encourage everyone just to kind of like it's hard i know it's hard it's like it sucks everyone's crazy right now but just to be you know Take a deep breath. It's gonna be okay. Listen to Poolhouse. I I wouldn't lie to you. I promise. And if it is gonna be serious, then that we deal with it. Then right. If it is the end of the world, then then it's the end of the world. I, it's an excuse to have fun.
1: Just vibe in the
0: house. Right? <laughs> Just vibe. Well, hopefully, yeah. I, I have a, <laughs> My plan is to be raptured, Daddy. I know I'm not explicitly Christian, but I do believe. uh We'll go into this another time. The, the arc of life. I, I have a whole. I'm an escape. Oh life. yeah, that's a whole I I plan. But, yeah, you're okay, all I you're know. all welcome aboard. If you're listening, come on, come on, one and all. But yeah, like, uh yeah, have a little have a little fun with the end times. I guess is my advice. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be caught up in them, at least have some fun with them. Uh, I
1: think that's all twenty pages of my notes. I
0: don't think I have anything left. I feel we did. We did a lot here. Well, actually, one last question, actually, for you. Uh, What's up with F one this weekend? What's what should we be watching? Who who's the hunk we should be paying attention to? So it's.
1: I don't. I don't know if I see any of them as like hunky. They're all just like little well, European <laughs> dolls. To and me.
0: They're inside of cars. It's really difficult. They're in <laughs> a lot of layers of things and helmets and cars, so it's a hard sell. I've, I've come to realize.
1: But they are—they are on and off weekends. Um, I notice everyone. I keep—it's funny because even in non-F1 related things, there's people furious. <laughs> like in travel blog sections because they're having a race in las vegas this fall and it's the first f1 race which i think is genius it's an f1 race on the streets of vegas at night so it's basically the coolest thing ever but i guess they're destroying the videos are kind of wild like they're destroying las vegas just car race so that's been amusing me so i'm sorry to anyone in las vegas that we're destroying your satanic city but it'll be cool to watch <laughs> they're doing it in the middle of the night which is crazy to me because it's very cold in the desert in the middle of the night but um that's coming up but before the big wait daddy
0: race... really quick what do you think they'll put on the orb for that race will they do something special for it like
1: oh <gasps> wait i did I
0: never. They, they have, have to do something oh
1: it's probably gonna be Oh, it's going to be a
0: cool
1: I don't know what <laughs> you have to go it. that's it you it's have to, to go <laughs> yeah now now wait a minute now i want to i need to make a pilgrimage to the orb but the next race is october 20 21, 22 so they're coming to the americas now because basically they zoom around the world so there's going to be a big race at circuit of the americas they have a race in mexico there's going to be the las vegas race and then there's races like in like so essentially they travel all over the world in the most ridiculous unsustainable fashion humanly possible and there's 10 teams and they all have garages they ship around the world but, yeah, the next race is, so you have Circuit of the Americas, um, October 27th through twenty nine It will be Mexico, which is always a very fun race. Um, November 3rd through 5th, Brazil. Then back to the U.S., November 16th through 18th is going to be the Vegas race. And then they close out in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> so, just circling the world, Incredible. Just destroying the atmosphere. It's beautiful. Also, their slogan is "Net zero. By <laughs> of course, so it's like it's psychically designed just to like cause me
0: intense psychic. It's champions. the only sport that, that emits matters. emissions. What are they even talking about? No other sport <laughs> creates emissions. <it. You. laughs> At the end of the
1: race, they interview the drivers in front of a giant sign that says net zero for 2030, <laughs> but maybe it's good because it perfectly illustrates net zero doesn't mean anything. About zero.
0: Function. I mean, Are they going to have space cars? All
1: net zero means is it's indulgences. It's modern day indulgences. You just pay for some kind of dubious carbon capture and you can just keep tootling away, which is why I'm like, oil and gas is going nowhere. It's going to increase demand. Since we started the entire transition, oil and gas demand has only gone up. Because, of course, when you pump trillions into the economy and when you tell people, well, you can't do this, but you can pay and we'll put carbon underground. I'm like, this is just so... Plus, yeah, plus it's all of our
0: food and clothes and goods. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: everything. And all medical supplies. It's ridiculous. But, yeah. You know, the drivers, it's just, it's fascinating because it's such a psychodrama too because like most of like, you have to be incredibly wealthy to even drive usually because the funding is so extreme so it's just all these like rich kids of uh, former drivers or billionaires like let's stroll one of the drivers his father just like bought the team for him so drives for the team but it's fascinating and all of the oil money guys are involved and for example, the other year, like, the Houthis, like, bombed the Saudi Aramco facility, like, right outside the track during a practice. And, like, this plume went into the air and everyone went, what's going on? But, like, it's fascinating how the world just bleeds into this, like, ridiculous sport of five four European men who have a death wish. But.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you know, the height thing is going to be a tough sell, I think, also. But I still. Think
1: that's it. like, they're just so. They're just tiny little guys.
0: They're adorable, but yeah. I think F1, please contact me and Daddy. We'll stop talking about eschatological uh, wizards and uh and the Middle East and deep state shenanigans with uh military consortiums. If you give us the money to go talk about F one. That's all I'm saying. We'll help make those hunks finally or uh, whatever. They're like What did that person say? I sent you someone's response. I tried to sell F one to someone and they're just like Oh, and you still, the asshole. driver
1: you picked. Well, what did I say? Oh, I said always oh, too ratty in French. I was <laughs> well, like, yeah, they're not. <sighs>
0: <sighs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, F1, call us. Um, Daddy, I really do. I no, want... but yeah,
1: it's the perfect distraction. And it's the three days, too, for people. So it's essentially you get three days for each race weekend. They have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's three practices, a qualification for the race, and then the race. So there's tons of entertainment, tons of culture. Um, my favorite race is like, um baku azerbaijan is a great race um like there's just they're cool and about it's it depends on the year and the schedule but about half are street tracks so they're literally in old cities and then half are on like circuits so i tell everyone it's worth it it's like such a ridiculous show they let off 7 trillion fireworks at the end. Everyone's on yachts. Well,
0: that's where Bad Bunny just. <laughs> I want to go to a Biennale. Put out the music video. I want to go to a Biennale so bad, and so I feel like this is my way in, but that he was like, let's go to a Biennale. <laughs> Absolutely. I just still don't even know. And it's
1: it watches, it's all high-end watches, champagne, sailing.
0: Bad Bunny yeah. might be there. Who knows? Bad Bunny could be there. I
1: know. <laughs> His new music. So I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm going to have to start listening to the Spanish radio channel, because Bunny just put out a single called Monaco that's literally shot at he shot it at the Monaco GP, which tends to be like the the most famous of the races. Even people who aren't into Formula One like know about the big Monaco race that all everyone shows up to, every royal, every yacht in the world. And there's always like all the all the super yachts more like right off. So you'll just see it's like four or five hundred-foot super yachts. But that's he put out a video. And the funny thing is, is it's not just like, oh, some aesthetic shots. It's like unhinged. Like, he has Max's. Max Verstappen is the current world champion. It's just a bunch of, like, close-up shots of his car. And I was like, this would be if someone let me have a music video. Like, there's no... It's just, like, unhinged fangirling. Just,
0: the daddy, Formula I one. love this. I love the daddy Bad Bunny arc. That's why they call her detita. This is going to be, like, the best uh, era yet for you, daddy. I'm excited. Uh, I want to get you. Left. No, but
1: I think Puerto Rico, too, because I love Puerto Rico. Like, I grew up going to Rincon all the time. Like I love Puerto Rico, so I think I could easily become a Bad Bunny fan and become a, a fangirl of a musician. You know,
0: I think we don't have to pay taxes now if we live there because, like, the IRS is based there somebody I heard. I know. We'll look into that. Oh yeah, that's well.
1: So, I think that's or there's something, because there's all a the crypto weirdo hole. guys go to Puerto Rico and Juan and, like, run around with all their creepy... Oh, yeah,
0: SBF, right? Buddy, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And that one
1: really creepy, ratty guy who, like, I think he finally got exposed. He's, like, this weird little blonde man who was making himself, like, the oracle of Bitcoin.
0: <laughs> that could be 5 million people in the Bitcoin space, Teddy. Like, that was, that was specific do, enough.
1: We should <laughs> We should do a space on how we hate effective altruists. <laughs> I could talk about them for hours.
0: Ugh. Maybe we should. We They're should do so a, just... a cults of Silicon Valley space. Maybe that could be a really I interesting know. topic. I just
1: get. So offended when you have to pretend that they're not very obviously scamming. I'm like, they're just so odd. Ob- it's so obvious. It Yeah. It insults my intelligence. It's like when politicians who all manage to make tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars call themselves public servants as the way to. Create a shield against all criticism, and it's like, well, you're the horrible person if you dare question the selfless public servant. I'm like, no, you're a politician, and you get mm-hmm. paid money, and you make hundreds of millions of various bribes and in stock, internal stock market trading, insider trading. So, I'm like, no, it's actually incredibly offensive when they call themselves. Well, those, public servant
0: those poor yeah, servant. the poor academic yes information uh, researchers all those poor babies <laughs> it's so yeah, horrible it's just ridiculous this is silly just say
1: what you do and move on i can't stand the whining and the, the attempts to frame it as something else to me that's just so it's just so i'm like this who buys this like normal people know it
0: Exactly. Well, that's what nobody really does. And that's why we need to We will continue to speak out, daddy and speak up because uh, our words pierce through the no one buys it. It's not even that hard to pierce through the illusion. You just say it and it goes away. So like, the more we say it, the better. Uh, And we said a lot, I think this evening, for sure. And I was it. was a really fun. Oh, my goodness.
1: I think I only lost five people to Formula One rant. I
0: just checked. I
1: was like, I wonder how many oh, people no, tuned no, out no. when I started ranting about <laughs> Formula One. It was One. the original
0: description. We, we, it was good to touch. It was good to touch on it. That's so true. <laughs> I want yeah. before we go. I want to shout out uh, my. Program with Oso Blanco here on Twitter Space or whatever mm-hmm. X Space, whatever. Next Sunday, the twenty second. It's lighthearted. It'll be uh, talking about Halloween movies, scary movies. Four p.m. Pacific. Ooh. Please come by there. I'd love to hear yours, actually. So please join us if you can uh, next Sunday. But uh, yeah, we'll be hanging out. We should do this again for sure, Daddy, because I think it was uh, it was a great yeah. medium. I had a lot of fun talking with you. And um, yeah,
1: I hope the sound is okay. I guess we'll find out we'll later. later. I can't tell if the sound you know- is good or not. I tried to put. I have a little wireless headphones so i didn't i was trying not to have interference anyone if you yeah, where if you, you t-
0: heard interference it was the deep state trying to silence Daddy and i as usual yeah. yet we persevered that's what matters um thank you again teddy and i hope everyone has a great yeah. evening and a wonderful weekend oh can i yeah. shout out
1: one of these people's little avatars real quick <laughs> i see somebody has Karen knightley in um my favorite movie ever Atonement, so I'm very excited by it, and I want to let them know that I know that is Kira getting ready for the dinner in her green satin dress before the murder mystery happens. Dang,
0: you're daddy with a diva. I see
1: them in chat. Oh my goodness. Yeah. People don't want to know how many times they watch them.
0: I mean, <laughs> but the- I love a British costume. I love, drama. Love, I love it. Love you. Love everyone. Have a great evening, and uh, take care. Bye, easy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>